Hello and welcome to this very special episode of Meet the Farmers. Yes, listeners, we've made it to 100 episodes. I can't believe that. Um, But what better time than this to look back through the first 99 episodes and reflect on where we've been and importantly, where we're going, um, because the next 100 episodes um, is going to be quite a critical time in farming. Really interesting to see where we all go. to do this today, um, I'm joined by two people who know the podcast almost as well as me. Yes, we're turning it over to the listeners today, and I'm here with Juliet Scott and Tom Bland. Um, Tom actually did all the technical production work on the show for the first 65 odd episodes before he was finally satisfied enough that I knew, or sort of knew, what I was doing. Um, welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming on. No, thank you so much for having us on. It's a yeah. pleasure. That's good to finally be on this side of the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tom, for the first few years of the show, I suppose, I mean, you had the thankless task of doing (laughs) lots of technical production stuff behind the scenes. Um, And firstly, I want to say a massive thank you for that. Um, And uh, yeah, definitely those early days. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I still don't really have much idea what I'm doing, but I've, I've learned a bit since then. Um, and uh, yeah, it was very much uh, we, we were both doing it together. Can you can you take me back to yeah that the, was the, that fun. really early time? That was uh, I just looked at uh, sixty four episodes I did there. Um, yeah, before I well actually before you went no no no, before, no I know be, what I'm doing be, <laughs> go no, away. before you before you <laughs> trusted me enough to actually uh, say no then you can just do this by yourself now. <laughs> uh, no, it was um, that was hilarious because the 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 first um episodes and sort of until you get to about episode 40 or so it's all very much on prem and you know walking around the fields walking into yeah. factories and all sorts of weird noises which is great <laughs> fun um something we should totally talk about um in a bit is just the wacky wonderful noises in in the background of this stuff no so i mean just just for listeners i suppose um, and i should say that actually neither of you which is partly why i wanted to, wanted to bring you on the show tonight as well firstly neither of you are farmers um which for me has always been a really important thing about this show that it's actually it's for everyone and it's it's a it's a way of farmers connecting and farmers connecting with people other people in um, the rural sector but farmers connecting with everyone really because we all just need to connect with each other. Um, can you just introduce yourselves, um, just to give listeners a bit of an idea of, of, of your backgrounds um, and where, where where you're coming from? So uh, I'm Tom, obviously, and um, my background is in AV systems, um, everything from large loudspeaker systems at rock and roll concerts, um, through to what I do now, which is um, audiovisual systems at theme parks. Um, and I spend most of my time sat at my desk uh, on the phone. Um, now that we can't get on the plane and go anywhere. Um, <laughs> yes. You can see, listeners, by the way, why I wanted Tom skills, given that I knew absolutely nothing about <laughs> audio production at all. I still don't know very much, but um, I've, I've picked so much up from this guy over the over the years now. Oh, you've got, you've got the kit now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jules, you? Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, I work in research and I'm broadly sort of focused on educational research. Um, I did my PhD working with Lego photography and voice recorders. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is my, I'm debuting as, uh, this is my first ever podcast. Normally I'm the one doing interviews for kind of research purposes. So it's really interesting to be on the other side of the interview. And, yeah, uh, yeah to, to be on a podcast. I'm yeah. very excited. 
But I know, I know you do. You listen to a lot of podcasts yourself. Yes, I'm a big podcast fan. Very well, particularly Meet the Farmers. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to say that. My favorite. <laughs> well let's make a start and look at some of the early episodes um one thing i remember i was really excited about in those days those early days was picking up all the really wonderful sounds that you can get on farms um and i haven't done an on-farm recording since covid um, and it's actually been one thing preparing for this episode looking back and listening back through the episodes i really miss doing those uh those on-farm episodes for that reason yeah. <laughs> but there's been an amazing, rich, um, I don't know, soundscape of background noises. Uh, you know, from like noisy fridges and clocks going off when you're having a serious discussion around a table and bits yeah. of farm machinery and conference chatter and absolutely hilarious animal interruptions. Um, <laughs> and like, why do so many kitchens sound like bathrooms? it's just not okay but yeah we've had beautiful bird sounds with roaring traffic in the background and conferences record from your pocket as i was saying earlier so i thought i would dig through a few episodes find a few little gems where it's not really focusing on what's being said but it's focusing on what's in the background and some of the kind of amusing bits of bits and pieces i'll 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 play this through and uh i love it let, let let me know what you think If you can do the goblin noise. I've been doing this for 50 years and I still find it funny. <laughs> as, you can, as you can see, Paul can speak to him. Ernie Hill. One of my favourite favorite spots. We've been for a couple of years now and we like it because... Just attended that session. I put lots of visual aids on the stage to help people navigate. Did you always want to be a farmer? When I, when I was at school, um, I was very into computers. For those of you who are of my age, you'll know what I said. This went up five years ago. Um, and again, just make it big and space. I'd say it's amazing. There are few farms that I come I'm very much about building relationships with the local council. So that's key, um, working with them, coming to... Yeah, I'll take you up the dairy and show you the dairy. So we're down the parlour, and you have two, two Jersey cows. Well, the reason we've got such an elaborate setup. Labour. We need labour in April, May, June, July, and all. <laughs> For the Meet the Farmers podcast, um, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, and thinkingcountry.com. Absolutely. And I think we're now being kicked out. Ben has been drinking and talking too much. But <laughs> we can but continue this conversation now. We will, we will. The best thing about the Highland Show is. Oh, that was awesome! Oh, that was great. <laughs> we should play. Um, we should play Ben's Bingo, which is where you have to go through all the episodes and find these. Like when you heard heard these ten sounds and said which episode, you get some kind of prize. Oh, I like it. <laughs> like find a creaking door, find some cows being milked, find tur- at least twice turkeys gobbling, all that. Yeah, that's great. I have to say that would be a great drinking game. Yeah, yeah, like I'd, it. I'd quite like some of the. Um, I was going to try and find the unmixed versions 
because all of those were the ones that we actually yeah. uh, put out there. Oh, that'd be good. Um, Tom, can you take us back? Tom, by the way, listeners tonight is doing as he should be, really. I suppose he's doing all, all the techie <laughs> stuff, and he's in charge of going back, going back to all, all the audio snippets. Can you take yeah, us so back to it, uh, take us back to episode, episode one, um, and let's see how it all began. Episode one. It's a bright autumnal afternoon and I am here at Stowford Manor Farm in Wingfield near Trowbridge. I'm here to speak to Anna and Phil Bryant, a father and daughter team who managed the farm here in Wiltshire. It's a farm with a variety of different enterprises, mostly arable, but they have some stock as well and a variety of diversified business interests. And I'm particularly interested in how they manage this all together. Uh, that was with Anna. Um, at Stowford Manor Firm in Wiltshire, which is yeah. So Anna, uh, Anna and I, um, I met met Anna at Sirencester actually, um, and she was. Uh, I was. I, I, I think I was. I was just sort of thinking when it, when I started when I when I first started the show. I just wanted a friendly face just to try this stuff out because I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where it was going to go, but I just sort of thought, well, let's go onto onto a farm and and make a make a program of sorts. Yeah, I, I was I was pleased with it. I was pleased with it. Episode two that that had some good sounds as well. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember the pig vividly. Um, can we go back to that one? Of course we can. <laughs> so great. Here with Sue, who manages the livestock on the farm. It just keeps going. I've been here seventeen years. I started off with Grains and Gardens and worked with them for about ten years. And then it was always a big joke that when the, the old farmer was here, I'd take over when he retired. I'll tell you what, you didn't make it easy in those, in those early days to mix it down. How do Not I make it sound like the voice is coming out of this rather than the pig? <laughs> It was. I remember. I remember standing there with the mic and Sue, who was. Oh, she was. She was. I mean, there was. Some, there was some great. Oh, some brilliant people at Elmtree Farm. They are. Yeah, they are such a brilliant team. Um, just just outside Bristol, um, uh, they run. They run a care farm there. Um, but I can remember. Remember standing by the wall. Sue was. Sue was standing in front, and this pig just came and it jumped up onto the wall and just. <laughs> just grunted straight into the mic and I, 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 I had no idea what I was doing so it's like do I push it do I put it here do I put it there um, but it, there's no better way of learning than, than playing in at the deep end yeah it's quite a skill to be able to interview animals as well as to be able to <laughs> humans and, <you> know, <laughs> and show everyone gets their say yeah. but it really does help transport you there you know mm. these little clicks and scrapes and you know you're, you're sat in in the you know, farmhouse kitchen or something and you can hear the grandfather clock ticking away it's quite nice yeah. i like having those sort of non-perfect recordings and it just takes you to that location yeah, yeah it really transports you and it's, so often they have to be kind of artificial like when they you know when they record the archers and they have sort of pretend glasses to yeah, yeah. but i love that it's also it, like, authentic in that you are at the farm you can hear the mud you can hear the rain the winds you know the animals and it's wonderful. And you, you really transport your listener, which I love about the podcast. Can you remember which one was the first you listened to? Um, I don't know. I, do, I don't know because I definitely went back. I really yeah. love that first one. I think the first one's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> maybe I, I've only ever heard the mixed one, but I just, I think it's great. I loved, um, there's, there's some that I like revisit regularly, especially if I'm going to bed. That's just really relaxing. 
I find Ben's voice very um, soporific. Not in like, you're boring. In kind of, you have a really nice voice. It's chills. <laughs> yeah, you are welcome. And um, yeah, so I just, I really love listening to um, the podcast in the evening when I'm cooking or whatever. And so, yeah, I normally jump around. I think my um, iPod likes to shuffle the podcast, which is a bit confusing. So it's like, yeah. now I'm in a dairy, now we're doing cider. And, um yeah, but it's, it's just such a fascinating... What I love about the podcast is it really transports you there. I mean, that's why I think the sound effects are so cool. You know, when you do capture bird song, when you capture the wind, when you capture those creaking doors, it's it's like you're sitting at a kitchen table, you know, with Ben and the wonderful people that he's interviewing. Um, yeah, so I guess we have both Ben and Tom to thank for that, because Tom, because of the great sound quality, it's able to transport us. But um, Ben, thanks to your visits, we're able to actually get this glimpse into, yeah, what, what it's like to to live the farming life. Because I think, sorry, I'm rambling, but um, okay. I think what you were saying is it's really about human, it's not just about farming, it's about the human aspect of all of that. Um, yeah. And that's what's so nice in that so often in journalism about farming it's um just such a focus on crops produce um and you don't actually get to see all the really wonderful other elements of farming by just focusing on kind of the processes and outputs you you know you lose that you the wonderful conversations that people have and the strong friendships that colleagues will have with each other um and the animals (laughs) yeah there's there's a um, one of my favourite examples of that, I'm trying to find which episode it was, but um, describe one, it. It's the talking about the full family and there's the baby there. Um, yeah, with James and Katie. Yeah, of course. And that were, was a fantastic visit. They're brilliant, quote, brilliant couple. Oh, it's awesome. There's there's one quote in that where she, um, they're talking about the rest of the day and what they've got to do. Yeah, and it's something to do with. Um, Katie was going to go and collect the kids, which was an hour away, and then it's yeah. half an hour to home, and then they had to come back and deal with all um, a load of wire or something like that that they'd left in the middle of a field. Um, yeah. And it's just this wonderful glimpse into the chaos of everyday life. And <laughs> it's just, it was really sort of honest and, well, this is what life is like. <laughs> <laughs> Before we talk about highlights, actually, let's let's go on to some road trips um, because uh, there have been there's been two two big ones, I suppose. Um, I've done first uh, was up to southeast Scotland, um, up to the borders, and I went via via Lincolnshire. Uh, first stop was with Matt Naylor, um, and then the second trip, um, which was last year, which was quite hard actually. That was to um, round the Cotswolds um, over to Herefordshire and then up to North Wales, um, and I took a lot out of that. I think when you when you're on it when you're doing it as a road trip and you actually you're meeting so many farmers, but farmers who are connected geographically, but also um, you're you're asking similar questions um, at a similar time, and so it, it gives you it gives you a real handle, I think, actually, of of, of what the genuine feel on the ground is at that time, um, which you don't really get if you're doing it less frequently. Um, so either as I currently do once a week um, or as I used to do, which was, yeah, could be, could be, it could be a good few weeks apart um, for a single trip. So I'm, I'm a big fan of those road trips. Um, it's a proper snapshot of time. Yeah. 
you know, you look back on it now, it is what was it like at that time talking about those things yeah. one day after another? Yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting view on it. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, can we go, uh, can we start with that uh, clip? And I suppose, I mean, Gareth, Gareth Wynne Jones, who is actually on on the podcast on the next episode, actually, because he's, he's joining us for our roundup of the year. Um, but I saw Gareth. Um, so he's right up in North Wales. Um, and he is, I mean, he is such a brilliant communicator for farming, um, whether on, on the numerous um, TV shows that he's done, but every single day on Twitter as well. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's such a, such a flagship um, person, I suppose, um, for telling farming stories. Um, but let's, let's head, let's go to episode 56, which is when I met, Gareth Wynne Jones. So where, where are we standing currently, Gareth? So we're up on Freeth Matrin um, in Abergwyn Greggen. We've just come up the Garag Vaur and over, and the road we were travelling was built by the Romans. How was it? So that's that's the kind of history you're talking about here. Um, the Roman road that come up through them trees here. And can you see the ancient tree line we have here? Yep. Um, there's about six, 700 acres of ancient oak down here. Um, that's all been left, really. And on this freeth as well, you can see there's quite a few trees as well. We tend just to leave them and the cows really, really use them in the summer. Good shelter. So this is what we'd call a freeth. Okay? The freeth is the intermittent land from the open mountain to the good land at the bottom. So for the summer months, the cows will graze all this. And um, we'll take them in beginning of November and then we'll bring sheep here just to keep the feg down. And then for hopefully the spring, there'll be a nice, fresh piece of grass for the cows to come up. And you've just seen how good they look. You know, they've had no concentrates. It's just off this green stuff. And um, cows are really, really important, I think, with the whole um, mixture for us. Sheep can take quite a lot out and cows will always put something back in. I love that honesty. I love the um, kind of audio vista that you get. It's as if you're standing there, like looking across. The, just his description of it is, it's, yeah, it's gorgeous. And kind of, you can almost smell the fresh grass. And yeah, it's lovely. I really miss that from the, I mean, the zoo, as you say, the Zoom ones are great. But the kind of vistas that you get of these gorgeous kind of com- countryside views. Um, I hope, yeah, when you get back into your road trips, I hope that there are more uh, more examples of that. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. And actually, I mean, <laughs> Gareth has been, um, Gareth's family has been there for, over 300 years um but uh, i think one of the one of another great thing about the podcast is uh, what, uh, what another thing that the podcast is about is about showcasing that real diversity of farms but also people um across this amazing industry um and that goes for owner occupiers but also tenants um, and ali hunter blair who i saw and met on that same road trip um in herefordshire um Ali, again, rather like Gareth, is no stranger to the screen um, and, again, a brilliant communicator. And what, one of the things I love about both of them is their real honesty, um, which came across in both of those interviews. Um, I wonder if we can go back, Tom, to episode 52. That's with Ali Hunter-Blair. Uh, basically, we've got to cover the rent. That's long story short. And I, if, if I can see a profit in January for next year's crop, I'll sell some corn. And I usually sell 50% forward and 50% throughout the year. That's yeah. tends to be our strategy. Last year was the worst thing I ever did because obviously the price got to £200 a ton. I sold a lot at 140 This year, we sold a lot at 160 and suddenly it looks like the right thing to do. So 
it's a gamble. It is. It's a total gamble. And as my old man always says, sadly, he is full of good advice sometimes. But he was, you know, like the old days, wheat price used to be the price, and then it used to raise by a pound per ton for the month, an extra month that you could store it. Whereas now, it can raise, rise and lower ten pounds within a day. You know, if you ring up at the wrong time, you can suddenly be up or down a tenner. So our strategy for that is our rape is pool marketed through United All Seeds. Fantastic from them. They they are a wonderful company who I wish we could do more dealings with, quite honestly. Um, they We never hit the top of the market. Obviously, it's a pool. We never hit the bottom, but they are consistently outperformed probably what I would sell at over the last 10 years. Yeah. So, but that, that example I actually picked out simply because there's not actually, when I, when I was looking back on the episodes as well, we're not talking about the ins and outs of the business side significantly um, on the show. I mean, ultimately, I suppose it is a business podcast in some ways, but for me, this podcast has always been more about people and culture um, than necessarily the business side, but it's really, really important, I think, for me to actually discuss those elements and and give people, both non-farmers as well as as well as well farmers, actually, in other sectors, a real flavour of what's going on on the ground on the business side. And, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for everyone who's been on the show for, again, for that real honesty. Absolutely. The, um, something that came up there, I think it might be a record. We're only a few minutes in and the B word already came up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I noticed there was some sort of forecasts on pricing and, and that sort of stuff. That was uh, episode 52. So that was a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but it's still a hot topic and it's still crucial to the business. Um, and of course, we're about to find out what those forecasts, if they were right or not. But it's important to understand the business of it and the impact that something like that has on the farming industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're recording this just a few weeks before the 1st of January, um, before the end of the transitions, uh, transition time. And, um, and I know that there are, there are a lot of very concerned farmers out there, but I think actually, strangely, um, beyond Brexit, I think actually the, the conversation in, in farming circles now seems to be far more centred around the seven-year transition that we're heading into and ultimately the end of subsidies, which a few years ago, nobody nobody could have predicted that, that actually, so we're going to see such massive change um, across the industry in that time. Let's talk about some of your highlights. Um, if you both had to pick one episode, I know no, that's really hard because if I had to pick one episode, I couldn't. Uh, but perhaps, perhaps let's not talk about that. Let's perhaps if you pick a pick some moments um, that that stick out. Can I, I pick for the forestry one? Oh, I thought you were going to go for Ernie. Oh, I love <laughs> Ernie's episodes so much. Um, no, <laughs> I um, my favourite of all time. Oh, actually, I've got so many favourites of all time, but particularly the forestry one. Meet the Forester. I don't know what you call yeah, it. Yeah, Meet the Forester. That must be episode. Is it in the fifties? Uh, I think it's more than that. That's that's Luke Hemmings. That was eighty-four. Oh. Yeah. I, I just thought he was today. so brilliant, and it just just after listening to that, I was like, "What? Well, I need to go and plant hazelnut coppice now." Yeah. Like, immediately, <laughs> I immediately need to plant some hardwood trees <laughs> to save the planet. <laughs> I think we are going to see, well, we're already seeing a massive drive for, for planting more trees. Um, but, and that's both commercial timber, but also amenity woodlands as well, broadleaf species as well. Um, and I thought it was fascinating, actually, for me, hearing both the PR element as well, because he was arguing that actually in, in farming, farming comms, we're much further ahead um, than forestry is. The foresters don't really have these sorts of medium 
um, to, to such the stage that we have in farming between this podcast, Rock and Roll Farming, and, and the multitude of other farming podcasts um, that, that are available now, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, for me, tonight isn't just a celebration of, of this reaching 100 episodes. It's a celebration of where Farming Comms is currently, farming podcasts are currently, um, and all the great work that, that so many so many have done. But um, I wonder if we can actually, yeah, let's, let's go back to a snippet from, from episode 84 with Luke Hemmings. I already import 80 percent of our timber that we use in this country wow uh, which is the sort of second highest in the world behind china um obviously there's there's a lot of people myself included who feel like we should be doing more to make sure that that you know doesn't go in the wrong direction that we ought That's to be, using, be mm. producing more of our own timber rather than importing more and there's there's lots of reasons for that um environmental reasons being one of them you know does it make sense to be importing timber from across the world and also what controls do we have over you know what's happening in the amazon or in siberia or somewhere like that um some of that timber is obviously coming from managed forests elsewhere so sort of scandinavia and canada and places like that that might have sort of similar controls that we do but i think we can all see that there's benefits for producing stuff close to home and being less dependent on um on other countries producing it for us where possible if we yeah. can do it well and we can i mean that's that, that was also i mean I, I, it was it was a great example of an episode actually where i started um relatively um soon before that uh putting out uh longer recordings on youtube um which dear listeners i am quite far behind on and i apologize for that but there are there will be over the christmas period there will be a glut of the full-length videos coming out on YouTube. Um, I've just been working on on editing those, but they will be coming out. Um, but no, thanks for taking us back to that one, Jules. I, that was one of definitely one of my favourite episodes. Um, Tom, do you have a highlight? Yeah, of course, I've got a highlight. We're going to go back in time a long way. Um, and it's one of the very, very early episodes, okay. um, and it's not for any reason other than I just find it absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. This is episode eight. Just you can do the goblin noise. You've <laughs> been this for 50 years and I still find it funny. <laughs> As you can see, Paul can speak to it. <laughs> that is great. Oh, um, the old music. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the old music. Um, uh, that's just, I just love that. And I would love to have a go. <laughs> <laughs> it was good fun to say. And Paul Kelly, what a story, what a guy. Um, and again, an, another example of a family business who completely turned themselves around, um, who were, were told that what, what they were going to do wasn't going to work. It went in the face of everything that was going on conventionally at the time. And through, and, and now and now his his turkeys, are, well, actually, I'm, I'm having one of his turkeys for Christmas. Um, hey. But uh, but yeah, all all the all the big TV chefs. Um, he has been yeah, he has he has played the marketing game really well, and he's just been a real success story. And he's also just a great bloke as well. Um, so let's go on to some some themes that we've been covering uh, through the episodes. Let's start with the idea of collaboration, actually. Um, and this is this this has been one that's drawn through um, from early episodes, perhaps. But I think it was probably more may become more prominent later on and i think it's probably because it's become more prominent conversation in farming circles generally um, i've got two examples here which i want to bring up one which is quite um, explicit towards collaboration um, which was with laura buckingham who i spoke to fairly recently um, laura uh, is the arable 
manager at Fram Farmers, uh, which is literally, it's a cooperative. So it's all about getting farmers um, to work together. Um, and the other one was with Helen Browning. And that was one of my favourite visits um, of all my Meet the Farmers visits um, down in Wiltshire. Helen is such an inspiring figure um, for the industry. I think I mean, at the moment, we're really fortunate to have um, two fantastic women actually um, running the show um, at both the NFU um, and for the organic farming world at the soil association as well um absolutely fantastic um, can, we, can we go back to to helen actually in episode 37 all farmers are looking to other systems and influences from organic which which must be exciting they're really exciting i think you know uh, I, we, we both at the soil association want to support those organic pioneers and make sure that organic both continues to get uh bigger and better um and uh but we also really want to share what we're learning and learn from others too because nobody's got all the right answers here there's an amazing generation of new young farmers coming through who are doing some amazing work there's a real urgency about the way we manage our land and how uh, that needs to be addressing the issues of climate change and the biodiversity crash and so i think um being part of that huge and broad movement still feels really exciting i think that's a good message to end it on yeah um actually let's let's go to laura's as well in episode 89 um again stressing this real importance for the opportunity actually for for collaborating in the industry I'm, i've got to say it's an observation i'm probably part of it but as an industry we're quite good at saying no no what we do is what we do is good and we believe in ourselves and we're much better than anybody else and you know we don't need them and why would we work with them because they don't know as much as we do and everyone's got something to bring to the party and i think that's the strength one of the strengths actually in our team is that we'd always say well okay we think we know about this particular product that we're buying but what does someone else think let's get an, an let's get an agronomist view on that let's call someone up who works at a different buying group and say well what do you think about x y and z you know what i do think you- i think that was such a such a good point laura made um there that it is and, and it, you do still find this tendency um but but again and i'm, I'm within the farming village but um i mean it's, it's surely surely you, you find that in everything right yeah that's exactly i was just listening to that i was thinking you know what this is one of those ex- exact examples a prime example of when the podcast doesn't have to be about farming and how it can attract people that aren't necessarily farmers that is applicable to every industry and every walk of life um, about yeah. getting other other inputs another massive theme um, which is really relevant um, for the moment and where we're going especially with new farming policy where we're going is the environment um, and yet again again and again and again and again and again partly I understand and I know a lot of listeners know that my background is more on the conservation side <laughs> it's sort of it's partly where the podcast started in the first place was my frustration um, working in conservation of this this sort of a feeling that conservationists and farmers were working in different directions, which is completely untrue, I think. But um, it was a it was a way of of trying to get those conversations to come together. And it's just I mean that was that was back in 2016. Honestly, it is such a different world now. It is unbelievable, quite how different a world it is now. Um, but I mean, there's loads of examples of this. Um, but I thought a really good way to start um, would be uh, with Georgie Bray um, at the RSBB's Hope Farm, which is more of an explicit example of. Uh, farming uh, being managed for the environment but that's in episode 35. We have surveys done yearly on birds over winter, breeding birds in the summer, um, both focusing on farmland bird species and then every year we do um, butterflies by the UK Butterfly Monitoring Scheme 
Um, and since 2013, we've also had surveys done every year on bumblebees. Um, on the butterflies and birds, we can compare them. We've sort of got a hope farm index okay. that we create a sort of a measure of change since day dot, which is 2000 yeah. when we bought the place. Um, and then we compare that to the rate of change on the UK um, breeding birds. We can't do that for wintering birds because there isn't a um, winter farm and bird index for the UK. Um, well, that'd be quite interesting. They've got some a winter BBS set up, so mm. it'll be interesting to see um, what comes out of that. And the butterflies, we um, can enrol that as part of the UK scheme and we can compare that as well to the change in butterflies year on year. I mean, that was, so that was fascinating for me, sort of just hearing from Georgie the sheer amount of detail um, that they go into in terms of their survey work. And for me, it's been it's been one of the frustrations about where we've been in terms of environmental policy, certainly on our farm. It's like sort of it, it it's the it's where the driver is. And actually that that collection of data is so important. But there are there are so many farmers out there who are brilliant at doing that, not just on the environment level, but also on their soil index, on, on, on all sorts of data that they are gathering. I mean, we did an episode with Martin Lines, um, who's chair of the Nature Friendly Farming Network, um, and he's really passionate about showcasing um, mud on boots farmers um, who, are, who, are, who, are, who are doing fantastic work for the environment on their own behalf. Um, and I mean, a really recent episode, which I did with Tom Clark, who um, is in the middle of um, in the middle of real production country in the Fens, um, he's on the NFU sugar board. Um, he grows sugar beet. He grows cereals. Um, could be seen as being quite an intensive agricultural area, but it was really interesting to learn from him um, the existence of uh, the Ely Nature Network, the, the, the network of farmers who've come together there um, to undertake landscape scale conservation. And that's a really good example of actually showcasing these stories that that this is happening. Um, uh, let's, let's go to, before we get comments from both of you, um, can we go to episode 96 with Tom Clark? about the Ely Nature Friendly Farming Zone, um, which is uh, you along with a load of your neighbours. Um, what is that and how does it come about? Right, so um, Ely Nature Friendly Farming Zone um, is a group of, now it's grown, it's grown, it started up much smaller, but now it's around 22 and it could even have grown since I gave you that figure. Um, and it's just um, farmers in the Ely area who have a, a wish to demonstrate that uh, we're all committed to at least three percent of our land area being in uh, environmental stewardship yeah most of us have got much more than that but that's kind of need to set bar somewhere and we basically do three things so we learn from each other as we was talking about the fence soil and it's a bit of a unique situation we are we don't have hedgerows and and a lot of the options on environmental stewardship are kind of tick box or you know it's a fixed menu and some of them just don't work on our soil. So we, so learning from people who've been doing it from longer and in the same situation um, just speeds up that learning process. So we're learning from each other. Secondly, we're bringing in uh, outside experts. So we've got Cambridge University down the road. We've had researchers from Cambridge University come in and uh, tell us all about what, what are the pollinating plants in the fens because, uh, you know, there's a lot of grass, actually. Yeah. Um, if you're not careful, it takes over because the soil is so so fertile. And so we're, so we're learning not just between ourselves, but bringing in outside experts to do that. And I thirdly, mean, that, that whole story was was brilliant for me because, I mean, I, I, I generally knew nothing about that. I'm really interested in um, your perception of how 
I suppose those environmental stories um, on the show have been covered. Tom, perhaps, have you noticed anything from those early episodes compared to today as to whether that story has changed in any way? It's much more common that it's talked about and it's talked about more openly, I think. Um, okay. But I think that's a, a, a public perception thing on the whole. For example, for, for me, um, it's probably a bit of a pop culture reference in, in the world of farming. And, but um, Isabella Tree's book, the rewilding book yep it just took over the world for <laughs> talking about that stuff and it's just kind of an example of you can't really imagine that sort of a topic being so popular no way you know even five years ago yeah yeah <laughs> um, and, and i think that that comes through in in the later episodes as well it just gets talked about quite often just as a as a general conversation topic okay yeah that's interesting and i mean jules tom was um tom was talking about Farmers collaborating with researchers there, um, which yeah, it has been happening for a long time. But I think there is there are almost more of these informal partnerships happening as well, which which must be must must be must be great from your your side of things. Yeah, I mean it's super exciting when unis get to work with you know real experts in the field. You know the farmers working together and sharing different perspectives. And I think conservation is something it's where we well I think we're realizing that the every single human has a huge role to play in conservation, but not just kind of in terms of responsibility, but the kind of joy of it as well. And I think there's been a real shift, especially, you know, as COVID has slowed things down in terms of everyone taking long, long, long walks and really appreciating how fortunate we are to have this, you know, <laughs> magnificent world with beasts and um, bees and all those kind of things around us. Just the sort of, what I love about the podcast is that you talk about it in such a well-informed way, but it's really fascinating to hear uh, the kind of very um, neutral but well-informed way that you discuss, you know, huge kind of global issues around oh, That's very kind because yeah, neutral is definitely the word that that I've, I've tried to remain, uh, which throughout these yeah throughout these ninety-nine episodes before, um, and hopefully during this one as well. And actually, that leads on quite nicely to something else I want to say, which is um, that one of the critical things for me for this show from the outset um, has been. Again, and I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Um, that uh, cross section um, of diversity across the industry and showing the big, the small, everything in between, um, and, and again, trying to really improve that diversity of voices um, that, that come across. And and farming on all scales has been one of those. Um, you can't really get bigger um, in terms of agriculture than the the kinds of clients uh, that Rob. Covell, Rob Covell um, has, uh, I spoke to him for, a, it was a fascinating chat quite recently. That was in episode 91 um, when we took a look at big agriculture across, across the globe. You, know, see, you look at the CEO, probably one of the, one of the biggest farming companies here, Russ Agro. It's a public company list, listed in London. They're just investing $2 billion in pigs in China. Mm. Okay, so these groups will get more and more massive, they've reached a point, they're not very efficient, but they're supported by government subsidy. Will those farms get broken up? Not in the foreseeable future. They will get smarter, they will build their yield. Uh, the bad news of them for the West is they will become stronger and stronger in export markets because the domestic market, for the last five years, they've been concentrated on domestic market. That is starting to change. You know, the, the, uh, Some of the Russian meat companies and the Ukrainian meat companies have just got export licenses or relatively recently. MHP, which is the biggest chicken producer in Ukraine, is now the biggest supplier of imported chicken into the EU. 
you are going to see more and more of these monsters that have been developed out there. Are they the world's most efficient? Not necessarily. Uh, will they become that? Sure, they will. If you look at where they started from in early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, and what they've built in, in 20 years, it is extraordinary. And, and these guys will appear in a market near you more and more, but they're going to be doing the bargain basement stuff. The opportunity for UK ag, despite the best endeavors of our politicians the last couple of days, the strength of UK ag is their location, their quality, the type of product that they can produce, and the short distance to market. What's your reaction to those words? So I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm surprised. Um, as part of my work, I do the very ecologically naughty thing of flying around the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I've flown over the States quite a lot and seen the huge, huge hour upon hour of flight time of fields of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't surprise me to hear how much that is repeated throughout the world and that it's just becoming massive. Um, and as we get better at automating things, I, it, as I say, it doesn't surprise me, but it also makes me a little bit sad because mm. I quite like the little, I like the farm over the road where we go and get our milk from. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, so on that other scale, um, so if we go way back to episode 10, um, I love this episode. It was um, Fiona, Fiona Proven is just brilliant. Um, I, I can remember going into the yard meeting her she took me around it was ready to start morning milking um and she just told me her story and this i think it was actually it was quite a key moment for me just in terms of interviewing people um and understanding if you tell your own story then you will tell it in a better way than anyone else um and she was a great example of this how much milk are you taking? We average 60 litres a day. Uh, we can go 90 litres. We can go all the way 40. We're scared. We get worried when we're on 40. We don't like it. But it's rare to go down to that now because we're still building. We're still learning. It's still obviously pioneering what we're doing. But we've got some cows that will literally only give a few litres. And they're often the fat cows. But that milk is normally very nutritious and incredibly creamy. If sales are low, we only milk the cows who um, don't have calves on them. Uh, so we can do it to suit us if someone's in and we've got uh, a cow with a two, three-month-old calf on her. She doesn't need to be brought in if we're low. Now, when milk sales are high, this is how we manipulate it, then the calves have already been practised going in the stable area with their own calf yard, uh, with tiny ones, with bigger ones, and they all buddy up. And they even queue at the gate. And then they queue up, then they go in there um, into their stable area and um, overnight. And then mum's obviously got enough milk. That's when that's when cells are high. And then we'll milk her, but we'll leave one quarter for that cow. So it's yeah, so there clearly she was um, she was talking through the, the system of carpet foot that they have. Um, but uh, yeah, early in the episode, yeah, she was talking about her own story. But I think that that just, I just wanted to put that in because it, it exemplifies the real, the real just difference uh, between, yeah, between everyone in the industry um, and people are doing things of all scales. And that's, that's really what I want to explore in Meet the Farmers. And uh, I feel like there's so much more to do than that. 
so a lot of my favorite moments um a lot of my favorite <laughs> memories uh come from uh the events that i've been along to um and these episodes oh, have yeah. always been a lot more work to make <laughs> simply uh because it's lots of snippets and, and lots of um lots of great conversations with people especially at conferences and i've been really privileged especially um to uh go to several oxford real farming conferences and and make podcasts um there i think my first one um i think my first one was in 2017 um and uh that went right the way through to 2019 i did i wasn't at either conference um earlier this year because i was away actually one of the brilliant things about conferences um is just the people you meet and um especially people who you know who i've got to know on social media especially on twitter and then you meet them face to face at these conferences and i have to say one person um who has just been an absolute joy to get to know um who i first got to know through twitter um is rob york um he's a rural commentator from south wales um and most of the oxford conferences we've ended up um probably having a few drinks together uh, which we definitely did in 2019 um, let's head over to the joint ORFC OFC cider tasting event in 2019 and well I think we're now being kicked out Ben has been drinking and talking too much but <laughs> we can but continue this conversation then, we will we will but there is no we can we can we can break down the, the barriers individuals need not get in the way I think we need a little bit of kind of committees there's nothing wrong with a good committee of different voices I think that's how you should finish the, uh, the, the, the 200th episode with the goodbye from Ben and goodbye from me. <laughs> well, I, can't, well, I thought you meant you should finish the 200th episode by getting kicked out of the pub. Or if you did the weekly episodes in the pub, you know, discussing with people, every week you have to get kicked out because you have to find some new way to... <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe in 2021, maybe that should be a new thing for Meet the Farmers, Meet the Farmers in the pub. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun, it would be fun. <laughs> When, when we're finally allowed to go back in. Um, <laughs> but you did quite a good summary at the end of that episode, if I remember rightly, about what you'd taken away from from going to both of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was exhausting going to both. And I think it is, it's a real logistical challenge to going to both as well. And I think you probably, um, if, if you are thinking of going to the Oxford Farming Conference or the Oxford Real Farming Conference listeners, um, I would suggest... <laughs> You just choose one and go to it um, because I mean I, I know I know quite a lot of people actually who, who do go to both because there are great things that happen at both but you do yeah I think I think the, the experience is probably better if you just go to one the, the 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 rhetoric in farming and the conversations in farming have changed so much um, in even the last couple of years um, that actually the the gap between people between between both and i know there are lots of people at orfc and i will be at orfc in a few weeks time and i know they will all tell me this when they listen back to this and say ben no you're completely wrong but i would argue that there is a lot of common ground there and actually now is the time um, to have a single farming festival um in oxford which happens unofficially right now um because you've got 2000 people um all connected with connected with farming all coming to one city um all to talk about the future of farming so that is happening currently but i think we, we could officialize it um why not have a single conference guys come on let's do it see that's ben eagle being putting actually putting an opinion on the podcast Gosh, you don't hear on. that often <laughs> but that that's actually something worth worth commenting on you know, there's a hundred episodes of sitting behind a mic, 
maybe at times sitting on your hands because you yeah. maybe not not agree with everything. Yeah, there have been those. It must be said. But <laughs> that's the the joy of reporting and the joy of the past hundred episodes is it's telling everybody's story. It doesn't matter what the story is, but it's telling that story. Exactly. Well, two things. My reflections just on the events. I loved, I loved the episode about the Oxford Real Farming Conference because, again, I felt like I, I was there. I, I went there, and I think that, like you're saying, Ben, there are so many people, especially in farming, who can't attend. You know, farms are so demanding um, uh, that it's, it's really hard. You know, to, to take three days off. So it's really nice that you can kind of almost give people a glimpse into not just the talks but the little conversations that you have after talks and before talks I think that's the the best thing I remember my first ever conference I went to I was starting new in a field and I ended up standing by the chocolate biscuit plate because everyone came to get the chocolate biscuits so I ate 25 chocolate biscuits (laughs) in one day but it meant that I met all these great people just kind of you could say that you really enjoyed their talk or just say oh well I hope you're having a nice day and just kind of introduce yourself and get chatting. And I think it's almost more valuable to capture those small conversations that I felt you really managed to capture the sort of people's reflections on, well, what did you think of that talk? Because it's all very well, you know, often the talks are on YouTube or or they're broadcast in some other way, which is fascinating, but actually it's also very interesting to hear what other people made of the talk and what they would have added and what kind of things they'd like to see, and I think that that certainly speaks to diversity as well, is, is what was missing. These things were talked about, but what wasn't talked about, what was excluded. Do you go to one of the country shows? I think you went to... There's some, there's some good ones. That we yeah. Definitely, um, when my, you met my, visit, my visit to the Royal Welsh, was that was that was a fantastic yeah. few days. I mean, I don't, I don't remember much of it, I'm going to say that. <laughs> but uh that was uh oh the, the young farmers at the royal welsh especially is they do it in a massive way and it's um normally obviously um that was that was really good fun i talk about some of my my real inspiring figures um this has been a hard one um to pick out but um some people right at the top of the list for people who've just really just got me in my gut there um and who have have inspired me for different reasons um just someone who is completely passionate about the the sector food farming and the countryside generally sue pritchard what a lady um and this was a brilliant this was one of my one of my favorite recordings this was episode 85 um and i think this snippet is taken right from the end um but sue was just just summing up a conversation what farmers do matters so much as producers of our food, as stewards of our land, as um, as guardians of our, our natural world that we are handing forward to future generations, I can't, I can't, I, I can't imagine anything I would rather be doing. I know that you know when 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 the policy stuff changes, I come back to being a farmer. It's not it's not a job that I do. It's the person that I am. It's who I am, and. And most of the farmers that I meet have the same relationship with that topic. And it matters. It is really, really critically important right now, perhaps more than ever. Yeah. I mean, she, I, I'm, I'm always welling up again now. She was just, she is, she is a fantastic, fantastic human being who is, we are so, we are so privileged to have her as part of, part of the food and farming sector. We really are. Um, thank you, Sue. Big shout out to you. Um, I mean, another another person who I've got to say 
um, is Clear Jones. Um, simply, he inspires me so. His business mind inspires me so much, um, and I'm actually going to. I'm going to. Uh, but, but business minds. I, I, I put Clear Jones um, and William Kendall at the top of those in terms of people who made me really think about what I do here on our farm and as part of our business. Um, but uh, but but also it was just it was fascinating seeing what they do. Um, so Clear um, runs multiple different enterprises on his farm in North Wales. Um, and uh, yeah, he was in episode 55. This was on a road trip. Um, but but just, just listen to Clear here um, and his philosophy. So all the businesses you we've spoken about, there's a, there's a link to every one of the businesses. That every single one of my businesses that I run can still run without me being there. So I'm here talking to you, but the hydro is still running and making money. I'm here talking to you, and the oil still, for every hour, I think 6.4 bottles an hour, something like that goes every hour. I love how he knows that. I'm here now, the hens are still laying eggs. I'm here now, but a poor farmer's lost a sheep. I'm going to take a sheep up to the incinerator. I'm here now, but I've got a holiday home there down there, and we've got guests down there. I'm here now, but my wife has the equine thing and she's working there and she's paying rent on it. You know, I've sheared sheep. I've driven lorries. And, and when you're shearing sheep, the only way you can make more money than the guy next to you is to work harder. So your body can't do that. So that's why most of my businesses, yeah, there's a lot of them, but they kind of run themselves. Yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the link in the, the whole of them. Yeah, a really, a really early yeah. one of... I mean, that's. I mean, not not every farm is like Clear Jones, and and not every farm business is like that. And but but he's yeah, he's still he's he's doing a lot. Um, and if you listen back to that episode, he has he got into farming into his position as well through quite hard circumstances as well. Um, he was launched into running that business at quite a young age, and uh, was has just risen to the challenge and some. And for me, he is one of my most inspiring Meet the Farmers farmers. I mentioned William Kendall as as well, and and you can please go back to episode thirty four to listen to him. Um, he's a he's a real inspiration to me, um, environmentally wise as well. I want to want to mention Martin Lyons. Um, I I know few farmers who are more hardworking than Martin, um, and actually want to thank Martin as well personally for uh, uh, starting the Nature Friendly Farming Network podcast, um, which I now co present with Will Evans. Uh, please do check that out, listeners, if you haven't already. Um, but Martin, yeah, I want to just thank you for everything you're doing um, for the industry. Brilliant work, absolutely fantastic. Um, are there any? Are there any sort of um, from from an inspirational point of view? Um, any people that stick out for you? I mean, you picked some really fab examples. There's so many brilliant people, and and that's kind of something I love so much about this podcast. It it's, it's almost tiny biographies about these wonderful, inspiring fantastically uh, eloquent people who yeah. talk about farming I think yes the way Sue articulated it was 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 fantastic mm. um and then again that kind of insight into someone's mindset is is fascinating um I mean I could name so many I guess Ernie we have to mention we have to <laughs> mention Ernie. The, um yeah I think it's really <laughs> exciting to think about the kind of future of farming and um yeah I have a lot of friends who are young farmers and I think they're working really hard and I think um, it's really exciting to look ahead to the future and um, see what the next generation of farmers are, are working towards um, and it's that, that I really enjoy that your podcast interviews people that kind of across the, the farming career and um, yeah there's so many people that, that um, I was really inspired by. A couple of themes um, that stick out um, and one, one of those is uh, mental health 
Um, and, you know, I think you've been a, um, a fantastic ambassador encouraging people to talk rather than, you know, sit in silence. Um, and I think some of that stuff comes out amazingly in uh, that uh, Wales field trip that you did. Um, and there's that one particular episode that slightly um, moves away from the Meet the Farmers uh, kind of standard um, structure um, because it, we, you know, we start talking about trains and uh, other yeah. stuff slightly yeah. away from farming, but it links it all in with the wider world. Um, and it's, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a long episode. It's, it's, you know, it's a 40, 44 minute long episode. Um, just yep. sat around the table chatting it through. Um, and there's been some really interesting, um, things that people talk about and i think it's good to broadcast that stuff and it's good to put it out there to the world to encourage more people to, to talk about it yeah no that was that was fantastic that was with um dan dan goodwin and steve lober um who works for network rail and that came out of um actually a conference in colchester on mental health where i was i was speaking um, and I had a really good conversation with Steve afterwards and it just clicked the similarities in many ways of um, working on the railways and working in farming. Um, and certainly in East Anglian perspective, but nationally as well, there are lots and lots of um, commonalities between the two and uh, and in the way that something I didn't realise, and it was a really interesting insight that uh, whereas um, – Farming tends to be uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time uh, there's uh, there's usually a family link. So um, a previous generation might have worked in farming. That's the way with the railways as well, um, with a lot of people as well. That was that was a that was an interesting insight for me. Um, but uh, I think it was yeah, it was a really important um, discussion. And Dan um, Goodwin, who I want to flag up as well, is is an absolute star of a mental health campaigner. He is brilliant um, and he has done so much. Um, he'd hate me to say this, uh, but he honestly has done so much. There have been some some people who I'm, I have so much respect for, um, for being so open about their own stories and stories of their families. Paula and, and Pete Hines um, from Ireland, uh, fantastic global ambassadors now for for mental health and farming i've got to mention them um the episode with sean fletcher as well sean from country file um uh, he was talking about his son and, and ocd um jeremy oh, that was fantastic i loved i loved talking with jeremy buxton um who's norfolk farmer um he was very very open about his story and, and his struggles um i don't it's, it's difficult to pick examples for this but i think the one i want to pick out um Sally Irwin, this is. This is episode 87. Um, she's a real inspiration. Um, she's not from a farming background. She married into married into farming um, up in Northumberland. And they've had quite a tough farming story. Um, and she's very, very open in her book, um, but she was also very open on the podcast as well. There's, there's sort of like a culture of silence and embarrassment in farming about yeah. not having money and, and having all of these stresses. And you're supposed to be sort of stoic and just get on with it. And, and, and I think it leads to really serious mental health problems. So I was really keen to put that in the book. Yeah, and I spoke yeah. to Steve about it and I said, shall I, shall I do this? And I know some of, 
some comments we did have was like you don't wash what's it you don't wash your dirty linen in public you don't you don't tell people your problems yeah i thought if somebody else is going through this and they can't afford to buy the kids shoes or they can't afford because the weather's been so awful then then you know you need to know that there's other people living it as well and and, and have got out the other side the man at rabbi is love was lovely lovely and i think i sobbed at him i think <laughs> i sobbed at him on his jacket for quite a bit and he, he was he was really good and he was very sort of discreet and they gave us help with our household bills because yeah, yeah that was, that was the year that it was such a terrible lambing. I remember and the weather was so dreadful. And we just when, when, when was that roughly? So the that years. was, oh, can you remember the awful storm? Yeah. So, I mean, one of many conversations um, about mental health and I'm, I'm really pleased um, as to how it's, it's now, it, I mean, the, I think, I think in many ways, the stigma has been broken. Um, I get that feeling um, in ag. We've, it's been, I mean, the farming press have been fantastic. Um, massive shout out, especially to Farmers Weekly um, for all the work that you've been doing. Um, and uh, again, I just want to have a massive shout out to Paula and Pete Hines as well, because what a couple um, for all the work they've been doing, um, Ag Mental Health Week, um, especially. Yeah, oh, sorry, just the... Uh... A side point we don't have to keep this in but um I'd be really interested in it, what your thoughts are on the way that change happens and language changes and stuff and things that you say on a podcast and you think back later oh my god can we edit that out is there anything that you think or maybe that, that you go look back and think wow that was such a strike of genius um, we absolutely should have made more of that are there any episodes, Ben? Because you, you keep asking us about our favourite episodes. I, I, I'd be interested to hear, Ben, if there's anything that you think either you cringe to listen to or you, you think, yeah, actually, I really, yeah. Sorry, I put you on the spot. No, <laughs> yeah. no, not at all. <laughs> I just, that's, that, that, that's really interesting there because um, uh, certainly, so, I mean, change in itself was um, a subject for us. So I did a mini-series on dairy, um, that's episode 61 to 64 um and in that um so dairy uh was and and is still um going through a period of immense change and in some ways um the dairy sector um of all sectors in agriculture is is in a pretty strong place um right now there's still a massive amount of uncertainty when it comes to tariffs um with brexit um but we will see uh, what happens in that result but um so I, I'm, I'm the son of a dairy farmer. Um, I grew up on on a dairy farm. We're no longer a dairy farm um, for various reasons, um, but uh, it was it was Dad's journey with dairy. And um, when I grew, I grew up. So the cows were my friends <laughs> when when I was growing up, um, and then all of a sudden um, they left, and we were plummeted into the hardship of of what happens when a farm goes under in essence um and uh by by luck a combination of luck and skill dad's managed to um turn the business around and, and i've been lucky enough to um join him with it today um and we're moving in different directions again um but it was a really hard time and um that insight that personal insight to dairy um really uh let's say tarnished my viewpoint of farming um it's why i came into came into agriculture um, and my my interest and love of agriculture came slightly later um than many people um simply because i, I turned away and did other things and then came back and, and refound it um but uh dairy is a really interesting one and actually this year i've started um 
co-hosting and co-producing uh, a, a dairy podcast um, for Kite Consulting, um, which has been fascinating in terms of actually really getting to get into the real detail of the dairy sector um, and what it means to be a dairy farmer today. Um, so, uh, but bringing that back to the subject of change, um, we looked at the subject of change within dairy across those episodes. Um, I spoke to John Allen um, from Kite. I spoke to Matt Swain, who's, to, who's an expert in managing change. Um, I spoke to Kerry Waters, um, who is a vegan. Um, and I spoke to Jude Kappa, um, who's an animal scientist as well. And um, and that was um, that was a uh, I suppose that was another turning point for the podcast, really, in that. Um, I think I think what I've what I've started seeing is that the podcast is doing two things really. It's 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 telling that human story, which is really important, which is why those individual standard episodes, well not standard episodes, but standard framework um, of episodes focusing on that person in particular is really, really important. But also this is about far more than that. And I think it's the podcast has become more about this um, as it's as it's grown and developed, um, is that it's about these really key issues. Um to, within agriculture and they might be the overt things as well but they might be covert things as well and so by looking at change itself it enables you to look at those um look at those subjects that because in farming you're moving at a million miles an hour day to day you're doing a billion and one different things you don't have that time to really stop and think and that's that's been that's been one of the main things um, which has been brilliant to hear when, when I've interviewed someone and they, we've been chatting afterwards and they said, oh, my goodness, I never do this. <laughs> I never actually take an hour out of my life to really think about where I'm going, where I've come from and what I'm really doing now and what I'm about. Um, and that's that's what the podcast is about for me as well. It's it's really it's really giving people that opportunity to to put their own lives in context and, and really think about what they're about. Um, um, just something I was going to say when you were talking about that change stuff, I really like how, like you were saying, so often farmers are just kind of focusing on the kind of everyday, all the things that you have to do, but it's quite nice to give them a moment to kind of zoom out and reflect and see the bigger picture. Um, yeah, I just think, and, and I think that's, that's something that your podcast does really well is giving people the space to reflect on what's going on to zoom out and to see almost um just a reminder of how far they've come often like they realize there's a real sense of pride in like especially the cider one that was quite recent that I just love <laughs> the kind of realization that they'd managed to fantastic after, yeah, yeah that was Bevan is a brilliant brilliant person yeah, I just I, I adored that in the kind of passion with which she talked about so much, but especially the way that, you know, there'd been cider made uh, on that premises for so long and they'd finally managed to get their own license. So now that they can sell cider and it's, yeah, it's, you know, these huge, they feel like um, huge milestones, but on the day to day, sometimes you don't get time to kind of pause and say, wow, yeah, we did work really hard and we've done really well. Um, so I think it's nice that your podcast recognizes that and gives a bit of yeah glory that they deserve hugely <laughs> so neither of you are from farming backgrounds um which is partly why i asked you to come on the episode uh, in the first place um i will really want to know therefore sort of what you get out of listening to the show yeah i guess uh, for me um 
the reason why I love it and the reason why I think everyone should um, listen. <laughs> I tell all my friends the same. You know, I think two things. Firstly, farmers are so great and it's so wonderful to be able to feel like you're meeting, you know, these, these amazing people who don't often get the great, you know, press that they deserve. Um, they deserve to have their story told meaningfully and um, recognition of their hard work. And that's the second thing is I think everyone should listen to know how hard farmers are working. Yeah, absolutely. Across the, UK, across the world, they are, like we're saying, 24 hours a day. This is their passion, it's their job, it's their, I mean, yes, yeah, I shouldn't use the, the B word, passion is like, doesn't do justice to the care and love and thought that goes into their looking after the animals, looking after the crops, ensuring that there's, you know, food on the table, not just for their family, but ensuring that there's food on the table for everyone. Um, across the globe and I think yeah I just wish more people I really hope that you know we're not the ones that you're interviewing or on your podcast for the next meet the listeners I think it should be you know the queen and David Attenborough <laughs> all the celebrities that should be listening I think you know the reach of um yeah the, the you know farming impacts all of us um, and we're so rarely do we get a chance to say thank you for all the hard work or rarely to, is there recognition of all the hard work that's going in you know every hour into the farms yeah i think i think that's such such a well point made point um and actually it's a really good opportunity i yeah i want to personally thank uh, every single farmer um across um the uk and abroad as well because we are starting to starting to grow out um we've had a couple of more international episodes um because yeah the beauty of yeah the beauty of zoom and uh yeah other other video conferencing systems are available um, <laughs> of all of those is that we can go all over the world and I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that more um uh next year beyond I've, I've, yeah and also just for me as well a massive thank you um to everyone out there who is listening it has been I mean, I, I mean this started honestly this started uh back in episode one episode two I think we had maybe I think it were maybe five or six five or six listens which was amazing um and i thought wow people are actually people are actually, but when you put content out there you don't really you don't have any idea what's going to happen and it's just none of this has been planned none of this was ever part of a plan um it's just sort of just sort of gone on and it, yeah, i love nothing better than actually yeah, getting getting feedback from people as well and please do if you're a farmer and you want to come on the show if you want to tell people your story please do um because yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet you. Um, and I, I, what we really need to do in farming, what we need to just keep on doing, is just tell your stories. Because people are honestly, I think this is this is the direction we're going in, especially in the UK. Um, I think this is this is what um, what people are hungry for. Literally, when they want to they want to actually attach when they buy that food. Um, they want to know exactly it's not just it's not just the food it's it's everything behind that as well and everything that you guys are doing um let's keep on telling that um so i'm really really looking forward to yeah let's do that doing more of that um in the future speaking of the future let's talk a bit about next year 2021 we're going to say yeah. goodbye to 2020 <laughs> <laughs> are we going to uh, get to do our uh, our international road trip then? I can't. I can't wait for the international road trip. Um, <laughs> we, so we have been wants to fund an international road trip. Then please get in touch because um, no, no, no. In all seriousness, I think it would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I, oh, yeah, I'll definitely. Now Ben has been talking about this for oh very long time. Yeah. I think I think the last time we settled on yeah, we want to go and do New Zealand. <laughs> proper international tour of new zealand <laughs> it would be epic it would be epic maybe, maybe, keep maybe, dreaming eh yeah maybe maybe we should use your language skills and start with france <laughs> mine <laughs> yeah i'll give it a go <laughs>
<laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure whether I'm ready to do a podcast in French yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, no, and also there have been plans for next year. I think uh, in reality, we're looking at a lot of more Zoom interviews um, for the foreseeable um, until things settle down. Um, but I am looking, I'm, I'm really hoping to do at least at least one, maybe a couple of podcast road trips um, next year. And like I say, uh, really branching out to do some international stuff as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so really, really exciting. And it's going to be, um, obviously, we're going to have Brexit. Um, we're going to have, as we start, the journey into the transition. Um, so, uh, but one thing I've learned with this with this show is you can never second guess what what is what people are going to be talking about or what the subjects are of the day. So um, we'll see what we're talking about um, in another 12 months time. I just hope that... The weather is slightly kinder in 2021 than it has been in 2019, 2020. It was probably, yeah, one of the most difficult harvests and growing years in most farmers' living memory. We're beating weather records all the time. It's going to be a bumpy, bumpy road ahead. Um, but I think that's probably a moment to end it. Um, that probably is all we have time for tonight. Um, but I want to say a massive thank you to Tom and Jules for coming on the show. Um, and another huge thank you to you for listening, uh, both to this episode, but also to all previous episodes. Um, when Tom and I started this back in 2016, I had no idea we'd get to this stage four years later. And I'm really excited for the next few years, following where agriculture and the countryside is heading and meeting lots of people along the way. Um, there's one more episode this year before I have a bit of a podcasting break, but please do join me next time for the big farming quiz of the year. I'll have Emily Norton, Johan Tasker, Gareth Wynne-Jones and Guy Smith on the show to look back on what has been quite an unbelievable year. So I'm looking forward to that and I hope you can join me then. But until then, it's goodbye from all of us here and have a great week. That's awesome. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> bit of retro. Yeah. I love the retro. Thank you. I've heard that a lot. <laughs>